Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet. No GPS. No text messages. No podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Hey everybody, welcome to the Walking Dead TV podcast, or should I say Fear the Walking Dead TV podcast, because we are in the middle of episode of season four, episode ten. Uh, this week, kind of a Loki, it's called Close Your Eyes. Kind of a very, very much a two-character thing here, as opposed to the big, sprawling story we had last week. But first, allow me to introduce my cohorts in the zombie apocalypse. First of all, they call him Negro Domus for a reason, because he figured out this episode long before it was put to... Uh, he totally called this episode long before he got a chance to see it, Mr. Daryl Taylor. Thank you very much. That crumpling you heard was applause. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was not a paper bag being uh, opened or closed. Did that uh, not through loud? And you just heard the work of you just heard the work of the worst foley artist in America, <laughs> <laughs> Rich the Chub Toad Sheldon. How you doing, Rich? How's that? That's a little pretentious, my friend. Applauding yourself, yeah, giving right. yourself a round of applause by crumpling it was paper. Canned live studio audience. And the OG of of the crew, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Russell Lathan. Hello. Glad we could all be here. As I said, this episode this week was called Close Your Eyes, episode four, or uh, season four, episode ten. Uh, but first, we want to talk about something we put off last week because we had serious shit to talk about last week. And this week, we want to talk about, um, we kind of, we talked a little stuff. bit about it. Well, it is serious. Yeah, it's very serious. Yeah. Um, not as personal, but more, definitely as serious. Um, we talked a little bit about it on the, on the break show there, but, um, we, Chris Hardwick, the whole Chris Hardwick returning to Talking Dead now. Uh-huh. Um, not only, well, first, first of all, Chris Hardwick is returning to t- Talking Dead after all the kerfuffle with him and Zoe, De- or Chloe Dextra. He's been uh, cleared. Well, he's been cleared by AMC's investigation or whatever. That's right. Uh, the flip side of that is something like half the staff, Left the show? Uh, it was reported 22 people. 22 out of 25. People. And that's what it was reported. Including the executive producer, who is also, who happens to be female. Um, so the, uh, instead of being pre-taped, or instead of being live this time, uh, the show's going to be pre-taped. Actually, I had found out that all along, there have been two or three Talking Deads each season that have been pre-taped like this. Um, and you can tell by the way he introduces how to get a hold of them. What If he doesn't do the dead live, that was a taped, it was previously taped on a Thursday. There have been some people speculating the reason they want to do it uh, taped instead of live is they're worried about someone trolling from the crowd. Well, there is that. It's just now because of that reason, they're going to do it all the time. It makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, not to mention it lets some kind. Of, I mean, they can over tape a segment and stuff, and then cut it down instead of uh, him talking a million miles per hour to cut get everything in between commercials and not whatnot. Well, and two, it's 
it's you know with like now with preacher coming in like it's not immediately after the show it's it's the hour in between so which i know they kind yeah. of float back and forth between you doing that and not doing that but since you mentioned it, preacher has been excellent this season oh my god this last episode if you're, if you're not watching you really should be because that's that show is incredible and when the season ends, we're going to be covering a retrospective on it on DC All Star Comics podcast. Yeah. Betty Buckley is grandma, man. She's killing yeah. it. Yeah. And her, her house visitor. The last episode was pretty great. But yeah. Anyway, um, it's uh, AMC conducted its own in-house investigation and uh-huh. uh, cleared cleared uh, um, Hardwick of wrongdoing. Um, Zoe Dexter, on the other hand, said that she has um, you know evidence and everything that she said was. Uh, in that essay was true because she was worried about being litigated against and he hasn't filed a libel lawsuit against her. So, and well, she, uh, and to be fair, she never released it. She wasn't the one that put this out there either. Well, she put it out there, but he, she never well, connected his name to it. Right. She never, so he could, she never he, put he, out a, a formal accuse. Yeah. She didn't formally accuse him of being no. the person that did. Right. No, but, but I mean, he couldn't sue her for libel because of that, because, she never mentioned his name. It was somebody else that put it together, although she pretty much left a nice breadcrumb trail to it. Well, and she said things subsequent that make it clear that that's who she was talking about. So. Right. Yeah, right. definitely. I mean, so, um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Russ. No, I was going to say, I, I don't know how you guys, I have very mixed feelings on this. Um, I, I wasn't on the, the episode when you kind of talked about when all this kind of came to a head. Obviously, we know more now than we do then to some degree, but I know she opted not to participate in the investigation. So, again, with her being the key witness in all this and the key person to put forward all the information, I guess the, you know, conducting an investigation into whether or not these things are true or not, it falls a little flat if the person that the allegations are the source of doesn't want to participate. So it's like, I was going to say there's been speculation. She doesn't want to, because she might get uh, sued for libel. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I, well, that's, well, that's only if it's, I don't know, but um, the other piece too is, so there are texts that she sent him months and months after the breakup, just going on about, sorry, she cheated on him. Sorry. All these other things. So I'm just saying, I don't I I question whether or not that part of it was true the assault and all that mental abuse could be true though and he doesn't realize it he could have been saying things that were detrimental to her mental health that um he didn't realize because he is cuz the part that I think probably rings true just based off things I've heard and things I've seen is he's definitely all about stars like you know he wants to hobnob with people and and all of that stuff i think that that was probably true i also think that um him in a way blackballing her in in hollywood may also be true um you can never prove that that's the the worst thing about that well right the the thing is she claimed again i'm not i'm i'm not alluding to the fact that what she said is false or implying that in any way shape or form but the the only thing that concerns me just and the reason the the reason i i vocalize any doubts i have is because the the one thing that that bothers me 
when we're dealing with situations where somebody accuses somebody, um, whether it be a man accusing a woman, a woman accusing man, but in particular, a, a woman accusing a man, um, and then it turns out to be false is, I think it's more detrimental to women that come it out and, and have truly horrible things happen to them because what I, what I fear happening is, that people are going to just start going, oh, here's another one. Like, you know, maybe this one's not true either. And I don't want the public sentiment to turn back on, you know, women coming forward and that having a negative, exactly. a negative, negative impact. Like, I, you know, I, right. I, I think we're finally turning a corner with all this and this despicable behavior that's been going on for decades in Hollywood um, and elsewhere. But but Hollywood in, in this particular instance is kind of coming to light and, and these, these issues are being dealt with and people are being held accountable. And anytime that you have accusations that ultimately turn out to be false or get lumped or things that happen that aren't to the degree of the horrible things that are happening, I think you diminish people in the future from coming forward. And, and that's, that's, I think where, you know, folks need to be careful. Well, sadly, I think, there's going to be some pushback with that because of something else that came out of one of the people who are part of the Me Too movement. It's kind of proven uh, that they also had something in their past can be uh, that's very damaging to the movement. I think there will be some of that. With this and with that, uh, that's recently coming out right now, all of it being so close together, it's gonna, it's gonna be some of that because it is complicated because there's, it's the same thing that goes, it happens with police brutality, with, you know, things that are uncomfortable. We don't like talking about if there's a false claim that will be lumped in with, mm-hmm. you know, that's always going to be lumped in with, uh, you see, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, just because a handful of women cry wolf, we should not let it ruin it for those that like, Russ said have been through some truly horrific things. Um, everybody should be believed until they're not. Yeah, and I, and I, and again, I'm not implying that Chloe Dykstra is making this up or that it's not truthful or uh, anything like that. But the, in de, I guess in defense of of Chris Hardwick, you know, one of the things is like he's had, you know, Jacinda Barrett was he was involved with Jacinda Barrett for a long time. She's another actress in Hollywood. They had a very long term mm-hmm. relationship. Um, I, I listened to the Nerdist podcast. I haven't listened to it in quite some time. It's been at least a couple, three years since I, since I've listened to it or what, what the podcast is now. Back when I was listening to it, it was still a Nerdist. Um, and he talks about that time in his life and, you know, when they broke up and it being very painful to him, et cetera. She's come forward and said like, Hey, the stuff she's describing is not the Chris Hardwick I knew. And she knew him for, I think they were involved for like seven or eight years. Um, weren't they uh, all together when he was still drinking heavily and whatnot? And yeah, that's the other, that's the other thing that kind of came to mind. And he's had another ex-girlfriend that he knew prior to, you know, you know, when he was much, much younger. And she said the same thing, like this, this this is not the person I know. And again, I'm, I'm not saying that, that, you know, what's been, what's been alleged isn't, isn't true, but I, 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 I know something about abusive relationships. Um, and, what I know about people that, that perpetrate them is they typically, A, don't change. Um, and they, it's typically, um, a pattern of behavior. It's not typically, uh, right. something that just kind of pops up out of nowhere and it builds and, it, and there's no evidence of it. Yeah. So that, 
th- that's one thing. The the other thing that that gives me a little bit of pause as well is there are a lot of claims of well, this person bl- had me blackballed and and whatever. And again, I'm not saying that that didn't happen, but I would think given the climate around. Um, you know, coming to defense of women that come out and say these things, that if 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 Hardwick had done that and approached somebody and tried to blackball her, I would think that somebody would have come forward. And, may, and unless I missed it, I don't I I don't recall anybody that has um, come forward and say, oh yeah, Chris Hardwick, you know, told me not to hire her or heavily implied. Yeah. It, it's it's all been well, kind of on her side. Well, that's the thing about. The thing about blackballing, though, is blackballing could just be naturally. I was with this girl. Yeah, I'm I friends think it with. Was intentional. Well, hold on, hold on, Chubb. I'm yeah. friends with this girl. I was dating this woman. You are friends with industry people, and you break up, and it's not a happy breakup, and they know it's not a happy breakup because you're friends and you spoke about it. What happens is you had a bad experience with that person. They are more apt to not deal with you either. And that's not, and that's not something where you could be like, that's blackballing where he said you are not to hire her, but it's still, you are, you know, like there's a bias against you of being hired because they know these people. Like it's kind of that kind of thing. Like, and that's something that has gone on. I mean, that's been the fear in Hollywood for like eons because you can't prove it. Like all you can see, you can't really. There's no sinister plan usually where they come out and actually say you are not to hire this person. Right. You know, it's usually I mean like anybody that is cheated on in a long-term relationship when it's over, you just talk that relationship. Or well, just, yeah, but or you just, talk to people around you about it and it just so happens the people around him are Hollywood. Um so yeah. more than likely it spread through that and she got blackballed blacklisted simply because of that. I don't believe that he would have ever said, don't ever hire her. I mean, it could happen, but I really don't believe that. But I think probably working through all that she put him through in that breakup with the cheating and everything, he probably talked negatively about her to people close to him that are around him, and they just so happen to be in the industry. So I really, I really think the blackballing is kind of... Like, it, it was something when there were only, like, four or five movie studios that you could actually right. do. But I think now with so many media outlets and so many ways, you know, to be out in the public eye and everything, it's less of a thing. I mean, granted, I know, you know, people are going to get a, a reputation of, quote-unquote, being difficult or whatever. You know, and usually, you know, that, that might, but I don't really think Chris Hardwick has the kind of clout, you right. know, to, to really, like, keep... The only thing is if they're in the same little circle, like, you know, most of your jobs you get from people you know, right? Right. If you're in that same little circle, that could be a thing, but still, that's not something that you can, that's not something where you can be like, he should be fired because he purposely went out and did that. There's no litigation for that. Like, there's no... Here's another... Oh, go ahead, Russ. I was just saying, I mean, I think, I think what AMC did was prudent. I mean, I think at the time when this first came out, I think pulling him off the Comic Con panels, I think pulling him off the show, pulling his show, I think that was all appropriate. I think there were ser- mm-hmm. serious allegations they needed to be looked into. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you're talking about ruining a man's career and potentially his life. Um, and that's something pretty serious. And I, I, I think 
and he won't get and his reputation has changed. I it mean, it certainly has. I mean, who I, was the the nice? He was labeled the nicest guy, you know. Out, you know, and the, that was his image. Like to be, he was the, just the nicest dude. He was he was the everyman kind of thing. That was the image that he uh, yeah. kind of built I, with his career. I think he I've can't do another Comic Con panel. I, I I don't see him probably not like any not kind of public forum. Well, thing. They, they put his name back on Nerdist though as a founder. Sure, and stuff. sure. But I, right, I mean, but he can't. But he can't be in an uncontrolled situation. No, because and, the, and you know you go to a Comic Con panel situation. and they take questions. So yeah. some wise ass is going to get up there and give him a hard time yep. about it. I mean, there, there's yeah, there's just yeah. no getting around that. So I mean, that on the road might be able to, but not in any years coming up soon. Not right now. And and to be honest, for me, I'm speaking for me. Uh, uh, this downtail is speaking for myself. I never liked the guy. But yeah, I'm kind of with you same, on that. It's not the same as saying that he is someone who has brutalized other women. Like that's not the same. I'm just saying I never liked him. And what came out. What with one thing that did kind of come out that he probably will, regrets is that people that did work with him did come out and say they didn't. They never said he was abusive to women. They said that he was not someone that they liked working with because he can treat people who weren't in the industry pretty badly. He's that that's come out a lot. That, that, sure, like his sure. own coworkers have said that, but that's it. Like there's been no. So we can't like there hasn't been anyone other than her so far who's come out and said that he did he, that he treated them in this manner. Well, here's you know, a couple but, of things. He is married to the heir to the Hearst fortune. Yeah. You don't think that those people, that family, did not vet him, look into everything, all of that stuff before they well, let sure. Him? Or family, sure. if there were things like what we're taught, what, what was talked about, I really honestly think that his life would be a lot different now. Um, but the other piece too. So in 2013, I was in Portland. I went to Rose City Comic Con that year, and the the um, Thursday night before the con, there was a party I was able to get into because of people I knew, and he was at that party. And he was the nicest. He was interacting with fans. I shook his hand. Um, just was being the nicest. Then a group of the stars from that were attending the con showed up to the party. And mm-hmm. then suddenly it was nose up in the air, ignoring people. He was crawling up these stars' butts. And I mean, it, and he was starting to be rude to fans. And I mean, there was a noticeable shift in his tone and attitude when these stars came around. So that's why I kind of believe that piece of it. Um, I just don't think the sexual assault and the physical abuse and whatnot, I don't think that there's truth to that because there would be evidence that could show that. It's like Russ said, there would be a pattern of behavior that would be known. Somebody would come out and say, yes, I've seen that. Um, But as far as difficult to work with, it's been long known that he was difficult to work with. Um, most of these people that do talk shows and things like that are, I mean, I hear horrific stories about Jimmy Fallon and the way he treats people he works with, but that's neither here nor there. My biggest concern was what did he do these sexual things and all these other things? And I honestly believe that if that were true, it would have truly, the evidence would have been brought forward. The pattern of behavior would have been seen there and girlfriends from the past would have 
uh, definitely spoke up, and there is no way the Hearst family would have let him marry Lydia. Okay. Well, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but in this ser- in this situation, you know, there there he said she said type situation. I mean, whether you know, there's all the way black and all the way white. I'm sure the truth lies somewhere in the middle, as it usually does. Yep. Um, I mean, there, I mean, that's the way these things usually work. So, on a granular level, there's that. On a general level, I, I hope to God this doesn't like cause people to stop listening to women who do come forward. Exactly. Right. exactly. That, that's yeah, and do I mean that that is the most harmful thing that could that yeah. could obviously come yeah. from this. I mean, women are just now getting their strength and and uh, the courage to really come forward and say that they've been treated this way. And like Russ said, I, I think we're like turning a corner on that. At least I hope we are. And, you know, to see something like this happen where the woman, I mean, where pretty much he's, he's walking away with no, no, uh, you know, retribution or, or repercussions whatsoever. Everything has been restored back to the way it was before she made the, uh, the accusations. Um, again, I just hope this isn't a, it doesn't have a chilling effect on the whole Me Too movement. So. Well, and if you yeah, think that- I mean, this has been going on since Anita Hill back in the early 90s and the whole Clarence Thomas thing, you know, and things got swept under and everything else. And, you know, after Harvey Weinstein, I thought that this is actually going to gain momentum, and it has, but there have been a few of those people that have just put a lot of doubt in there, in the air, and unfortunately, it is going to cause some people to not believe the women or the men when they come forward, because, I mean, it's a smaller... Um, percentage, but there are men that you know are assaulted and whatnot as well. Terry Crews being one of those. Well, uh, the, only, the, only, the only thing I'd say to what's happening in terms of, uh, in regard to the Walking Dead and the fear of the Walking Dead, the fandom involved, the, 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 uh, the one of the other things that are, are kind of sad about this whole thing is that there is a kind of a, a, a toxic thing going on now. Because of Hardwick being, because there was, you know, like even though he was cleared, there was not a, like a definitive, you know, answer to all this stuff. So it's right, like there's still kind still, of a cloud over everything. There's still know. kind of that cloud over it. So now when you, the Talking Dead and, and, you know, anything that comes up with Hardwick, there, I see it. I see it online. I see, you know, when people talk about the, you know, who, who are fans of the show I'm talking about, not, and crying does not help his case. Well, leave that alone. Um, but just there is that air that's going to be surrounding uh, the show because of him, because of this situation now, that when he's involved, there is that, you know, that little dark cloud that's over it that they're going to have to deal with now from now on until it, if it ever fades, it might not ever fade. For all we know. The most of his staff walked out is a pretty telling thing to me. I mean, yeah. Yeah, a lot of relationships are severed. I think we chewed that one up enough, for sure. Yeah. Okay, uh, season four, episode ten, Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, Close Your Eyes is what it was called. What did you guys think of the uh, general impressions of this episode? I absolutely loved this episode. It, I thought it was good writing. Um, you know, it was a bit predictable, but I was okay with that because I thought there was good dialogue. I thought there was some good scenes. It it actually gave me a reminder a little bit just just the just the, the way it was set and everything. It kind of gave me like reminders of Romero in a way. 
um, as far as, you know, like the, the house out in the wilderness and zombies encroaching and all that, the storm. I don't know. I really, really enjoyed it. There were a few little things here and there that I could complain about. But overall, this, to me, was a very solid episode. I noticed the Romero touches in it, too. There were, like, Dutch angles. I mean, everything was taking place yeah. in one house. They yeah. get in the basement, but they can't stay in there, and there's a walker down there. I mean, there are a lot of little nods to the original Night of the Living Dead, and I really appreciated that about it. Yeah. Um, plus, I mean, I'm taking Alicia's character more seriously as the show goes on, as they un- kind of unwrap her, you know, as opposed to her being quiet girl with sad eyes. You know, this she used her chops. I'm in role my chops. Yeah, this and, used her acting chops a lot. Um, and uh, Daryl, Dar- go ahead. Take your moment in the spotlight. Um, I don't want to, you know, I don't even want to get into how right I am, but I was. I was so right. <laughs> Daryl um, totally called this episode. How long ago was it? Two episodes it. ago, or I, I think so. But I, but you needed it. Like I, there was, there was like Charlie, right? The, is her name the kid's name? Yeah, yeah. Charlie. She needed this. Like, the, like if we're going to continue with her character on this show. And it's not going to fall into the trope that other, a lot of other child uh, characters have fallen into where they're just one note and they become uh, pretty much annoying to the plot. Um, you need to open up, you know, she needed this, this time to open up what her motivations are. What is she feeling? What is, what is the point of these feelings? What, where did it come from? Um, you know, like what, how is she dealing with all of this? Like, it was necessary, and I, I think that they pulled it off in a in a in such a strong way. I mean, you could you could really tell these are different people working on this show. You could oh, yeah. really tell the people behind it. They were able to take these just these two characters and uh, and do something with these two characters that are not were not labeled the strongest in the show. Well, I would also argue that they had to do the same thing with Alicia. I mean, for yeah. Alicia to be yeah. in any way relation in relation to Charlie. She's going to have to deal with these feelings of Charlie betraying the group and causing the death right. of her mother. Charlie straight up shooting Nick and, yeah. and, and betraying him and such, you know. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot that she had to work through as well as us had to be revealed about Charlie. And I thought this episode did it really well without it being like, um, seeming like a setup or an info dump or, uh, you know, informa- uh, emotional info dump or something, you know. Yeah. I thought it was Even well done. She still spooks me because I still thought when she told Charlie to close her eyes later on the episode, is she going to take a gun out and shoot her in the head? Like, she had that look on that her face. That was my though, exact like thought. As she was she, walking her through the beach thing, I was waiting. I thought she was going to... She's gonna got that. Is she she's Carol now? That, <laughs> I don't know. She's got that look. Look at the flowers, Charlie. She's got that pain look on her face where there's this point mm-hmm. where she just she just goes blank. I and, thought and you don't know what's and you don't know what she's thinking. Like you don't know if she's thinking, All right, let me forgive this kid as much as I can and and maybe do something good uh with the rest of the time we have left on this earth or you know what? Forget it. I gotta take her out. Like I can't right. forgive her for what she did. Like I I just couldn't I couldn't read her when she was in the car. It's a good thing, though, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think because it'll cool. surprise us. I think she's so. really progressed as an actress, too. I mean, yeah, it's, it's yeah, like I what so. the kind of thing she's been portraying on the show. I mean, I've gone from, you know, she was kind of just a free spirit bouncing around back with the Auto mm-hmm. Brothers and right. not really sure of where her place was and all this. And everything that's happened has really hardened her and really, like, kind of, like, you know, f- like, focused her, you know, in, in this way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like it's it. really I... on, well, on the, good on, this, on display here. Mm hmm. 
as I said, the show is, the episode is called Close Your Eyes. It was directed by uh, Michael Satrazimus, who has also directed one, two, three, four of uh, the other episodes, including uh, No One's Gone and Laura and Another Day in the Diamond. And it's written by Shintaro Shimasawa, who also wrote uh, episode three, Good Out Here, and is also uh, going to be writing uh, the finale, uh, co-writing the finale as well. So I think it's also really um, benefiting from having this small group of people writing and directing, uh, the kind of passing it off to one another. It really gives it a nice, it gives this show a nice continuity that I think the parent show misses sometimes. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yes, uh, absolutely. And, you know, the characters are very much not, I don't want to say predictable, but they, from episode to episode, they make sense as opposed to sometimes with the main show, you're like, well, you know, here, here's you know Morgan one week being a total badass and killing everybody. Here's Morgan once again. You know what I mean? Just like the inconsistencies or just the, of the parent style. show really bother me, and the directing style you know, too. Like, hey, this is the point. arty episode, and then this is the right, action episode. Right, and then, you know, exactly. it's just like yeah. And the cinematography this season is so superior to the prior three seasons and a lot of the parent show. I mean, I. They have a good eye with what they're doing this season as far as the way they're framing things like you were talking about, uh, Jim, you know, the the homages to Romero with some of the angles and everything else. It just it's I, I it's I really as a as somebody that loves to watch film, I really appreciate what they're doing from that standpoint this season, which which makes it even more irritating to me because I watch it. So we have Dish Network. We have Satellite. And I don't know if it's just AMC or if it's because I don't notice it on some of the main network shows. And I don't know. But, man, it may be because it's this show is filmed kind of dark and a little grainy to begin with. But, man, they crush the hell. I've mentioned this before, but they crush the hell out of that picture on the satellite. I mean, it's it just looks terrible. Like it's it's there's just not a lot of detail. There's a lot of like color banding and stuff like it just. It's just a terrible presentation for the show. It, it almost makes me want to uh, just spring and you know watch it on Amazon because I could probably watch the stream version on Amazon or watch it on demand if I didn't if if I wasn't um, you know cutting it so close between when we watch it and record uh, because it just man it just like I said it just looks terrible. <laughs> I watched it on YouTube TV and it's it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I stream it from Amazon the next morning. I think it usually comes up about eight or nine in the morning after they show it. And um, quality is really good. It might might be something in your satellite system, or maybe it is Direct TV. I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's just weird. Yeah, I mean, there's just certain channels. I watch that. it. Sci-fi is bad about it too. It like a lot of their shows get just totally crushed um, with the satellite. I watch thing. it in my mind since I can see all my third eye. I just watch it that way. Uh, yes. Man, he makes one good call on the show, and now he's the Sorcerer Supreme. He ain't no chub, Mr. Domus, that's for sure. I I, I watch it in the 4K now. Dr. Daryl Strange. I have that that other eye, and I just watch it that way. I know what's going to happen. 4K, 5K, however many it takes, right? right. You know Um, Close Your Eyes opens with Alicia. As long as it's not three of them, right, Daryl? Well, carry on, Jim. Close Your Eyes opens with Alicia seeking refuge from a storm. And I like the way they washed out the colors in this. Mm-hmm. Yes. It yep. looked almost black and white to me yeah. when I was watching it. Yep. Um, did, you like, did you see, like, how it came on? Like, when the credits came up, it was such a beautiful, like, I, it almost, I would love to almost have, like, a poster of that or a screenshot 
for like a, a, a from a computer, like a screensaver or something, the way that it, it opened. Yeah. I also like the way they had the letters uh, blow off. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The credits yeah, blow off. I'm really digging those those opens. Like the one last week was really good too yeah. with the storm and, and everything. Yeah. I, I kinda I kinda like that they use the open to tell a story of of the They're show. Creative. I think that's a cool touch. Yeah. yeah I like creative. As opposed to the parent show which the opening looks like a you know, part of a nine inch nails video yeah. usually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I keep I keep thinking every season like maybe they'll change it this year. No. No. I just, I just expect Trent Reznor is going to pop out any minute when I watch that opening. Yeah. Like, <laughs> slam on a keyboard or something. There's a lot of long um, shots in this episode. I don't know if you guys noticed, like, yeah, you, you know, like down yeah. the hall, across the room, you know, just just a lot of these these long. You know, we talked about Dutch angles, like and a stuff haunted like that. house, like a horror show. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. A movie like a haunted haunted kind of house and all. That. When you have that limited of a set, you have to be creative and you know, and your angling and your staging and stuff, or else you just gonna end up with the same shot over and over. Right, right. And it's just two people, so you have to make the you have to make it kind of interesting. More, you know, since it's only gonna focus on these two characters. And I was certain that that was Charlie's family, like an aunt and uncle or something. Um, for most of the episode, until it was, she just didn't have pictures of her Oh, parents. really? I, 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 I seriously figured... thought that she was somehow related to those people mm-hmm. up until that point. Well, I figured she traveled so much with the other group that they couldn't, I didn't think that, I didn't even think about it, that that would be her parents. I just figured... They are just uh, like everyone's in the show has kind of had that thing that they hold on to to kind of get through it, and I mm-hmm. and I think she put everything like Alicia did last week when she put everything into if I help this one guy or one person, maybe the pain that I keep feeling will be a little it'll it'll die down a little bit. Maybe I won't feel as as much pain as I'm feeling, and it you know mm-hmm. I think that this was her thing. Like if I we could just do this one thing for this you know maybe this family will come back if this family can get a happy ending somehow maybe the pain that i'm feeling could be could go away a little bit yeah. everybody's numbing like it, it seems well, like on the the return of the show everyone's trying to numb that's pain. a good point i think I, I think you really hit on something there daryl for me it was symbolic like alicia wanted to throw yeah. out the pictures because she didn't want to be reminded of family and right. you know that kind of togetherness that she lost Whereas Charlie is desperately trying to hold on to memories. I mean, when you're a kid, your memories aren't as strong. I mean, you remember some things very strongly, but other things you, you can forget, you know. And right. when she says later that she can't, you know, barely remember what her family looked like, and she's trying to, it's like almost like symbolic of the humanity that Alicia's trying to throw away and that Charlie's mm-hmm. trying to hold on to. At least that's the way I saw it. Maybe a, my English major is reading too much into the script. Oh, I think you're mm-hmm. right on right there, yeah. But, um, and those and those people she helped were pretty much damaging her even more because she was she would befriend these people and they pretty much they would tell her they're not real they're not real people don't worry about them just give us the information we need you know and then come back to us like don't get attached and don't plus every time well and them. again every time Alicia reached out to someone she got betrayed especially by yeah. Charlotte. Yeah. Who, after she gets rid of the zombies living in the house, and as we mentioned, pulls out all the framed photos and throws them out into the rain, uh, she hears a noise alone in the house. Uh, in the house, she thought she was alone. Uh, oh, she also discovered the basement was flooding, uh, but she finds Charlie hiding in a bedroom, and she can't even. 
She sees Charlie. She can't even. Right. So she grabs stuff and tries to leave, and then gets knocked on her ass and knocked out. And when she wakes up, she finds that she realizes Charlie drew, dragged her back inside. Finally, yeah, her out because she, the, she tripped over. Her head hit a mud patch. Was mud really that hard to knock that her out? Well, I think the impact or something. Fall, we don't know yeah. what was under. Yeah, yeah. Because falling back that hard, I mean, she fell kind of hard. That, you know, the Ooh. way she fell back, like it was. It was pretty, pretty, pretty much of a hard fall, and I could have knocked her out. Uh, that that, that's one of those small nitpicks that I said, I, you know, it really doesn't matter. Like, the other thing, too, is you're going to put a piece of wood barring the door that keeps getting blown by the wind, gale force winds, and you're going to put one nail in and think that's going to hold it. Now, it did. Well, that's why they, well, that's Bob why they were trying to say <laughs> the noise. They are trying to say that, you know, by every time they kept banging on it, more of them kept coming. So I mean that at least oh. they at least they gave a a really good reason why they couldn't really fortify this house because yeah no stuck. I'm talking about inside the door just the door not the window covers when she first but gets I mean, there loud, yeah. but I, but any of those loud noises would have, yeah you yeah. have to worry about it that's a constant so Alicia wakes up and she basically rips Charlie a new one. She lays on the guilt big time, and she tells me if you're tells her if you're in this house with me, I will probably kill you. You're garbage. Yeah, you, you, I, I got the quote here. You may be a kid, but you know what you did, and that makes you garbage. I hope you lived to a ripe old age so you remember what you did, who you are, and how you can never ever make up for it. I, I kind of, I mean, I, I have no it, therapist or any of that, but I kind of, I kind of think that that's kind of what she needs because everyone was kind of tippy-toeing around her and she wasn't getting better and i think for her to say the things out loud that charlie's already been thinking about constantly over and over and over again um it kind of made charlie it kind of shook her up enough to make her actually have to say something have to deal with it more than anything else like it's like scared there was a program like they still do things like this where when the kids are so at risk and everything they do it's like you try to hold them and it doesn't work you try to do kind things for them it doesn't work so when you have someone who almost feels who's like a threat to them it kind of kind of gives them it, it kind of shakes them into thinking about what they what they what they want to do what they, do you want to live for real or do you want to keep killing yourself over and do you want to keep Going, you know, you want to commit suicide because that's where Charlie was at. She wanted to commit. Well, she yeah, thought she wanted to die. She well, thought she did. As Alicia's yelling all this, we see on the other side of the door, Charlie is crying and holding her gun. Yeah, I mean, I thought there that she was going to, you know, at least point it to her head or try to, you know, commit suicide or something because right. I mean, she was breaking down. Um, Thankfully, she didn't really want to die, and that's the thing that right. she needed to realize: you don't really want to die. Alicia goes out to the old shutter and she noticed that Char- Charlie had laid sheets around across the the, uh, the family that was from the house. And then um, Alicia flies upstairs and finds Charlie's door open, and the girl is drawing the family photos that she'd received from the rain. And Alicia's like, "I put them there for a reason." Uh, and then she goes out for the shutters again, but then they realize that the hammering is drawing walkers, so they retreat back indoors. And then uh, Alicia takes the, Charlie's coat to dry it and discovers a gun in her pocket. And Alicia points it right at her face. 
I told you you couldn't be here, Alicia. I told you I didn't want to be around you. And again, I really like the acting that, that she's doing here. Um, yeah. I mean, it's believable. I mean, she's yeah. This is the. I mean, this. She's a little kid, but she is, you know, the one who, you know, instrumented. It was the instrument of her whole family's demise. You know. Yeah. And then um, she sends Shelley to her room. And then Alicia finds a dead bird in the chimney and says, Madison, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying. Um, a little, like, throwback there to, to uh, uh, you know, past episodes. Did you guys walk out, watch all of Talking Dead, by the way? No. No, I never watched Talking Dead. No, I, I didn't so, watch it. So here's the backstory that the showrunner gave on um, the bird. So... Hardwick asked, you know, did you have a backstory for this family and things like that? And he's like, I absolutely did. So basically, the 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 apocalypse has happened. They have zombies everywhere like that. They're hunkered down in there. It gets cold. The family starts a fire, but the fireplace has been blocked by an owl's nest. So the entire family died from carb from carbon dioxide poisoning. And that's how they turned into walkers. That's what the owl was. And then the owl also represented Madison somehow. So it was interesting. In the meantime, uh, Charlie climbs out a window onto a roof and seems to be trying to suicide herself by walker. There's a walker up there impaled on a tree branch. But then Alicia intervenes. And finally, Alicia realizes the gun wasn't for... Alicia, it was for Charlie. Yeah. And she kind of turns the corner. And then, um, you know, Alicia says there are no good reasons to keep going, but that doesn't mean I'm going to let you kill yourself. And then uh, Charlie speaks and asks Alyssa if she had saved her to make sure she'd have to live with what she'd done. And Alicia, Alicia basically says, you're not going to get it. And they go and eat dinner together. Charlie talked about talked some more, asking whether uh, when Alicia lived in California, she lived on the beach. And then she was talking about how her parents were planning to take her to the one in Galveston when everything fell apart. And she used to close her eyes and read, and she would see what she'd read about, and she was still looking for a book about Galveston. And then uh, after finding Charlie rearranging the family pictures again, uh, Alicia tells her, you know, sometimes when you're gone, you're just gone, and these people are definitely gone. And then Charlie asks, why do you care? And then they hear a window blow out. And they have to go into the basement. Just like in Night of the Living Dead. Yep. <laughs> Moving through the basement. Um, as fast as Charlie and uh, Alicia move downstairs, the violent storm has trapped them in the basement and debris falls on their exit. They have water up to their chests. Um, the youngster's freaking out because she, uh, Charlie had seen her parents after they turned and couldn't bear the idea of ending up like them. Which again is a switch, is a switcheroo on Night of the Living Dead where the little girl became the zombie. Right. And the parents didn't, um, so again, like a, a little, little nods here and there, which is cool, you know. Um, Alicia refuses to use the gun on Charlie to spare her. Uh, even after holding the weapon to her head and picturing Madison and Nick, Alicia couldn't do it. Uh, then something falls on the door and then paves, paves the way for the, them to make their escape. It was the walker that had been impaled on the tree branch. And Charlie's like, he saved us. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the following morning, the storm over, Alicia burns the family, not for herself or Charlie, but, quote, 
for people who could come back. Uh, she puts the photo in the family, or the family in a jar next to them. Um, yeah. so they are, they decide to become the most unlikely of friends, you know? Hey, <laughs> right. it's something that Charlie is still kind of looking for a reason to, to live. Like, there's yeah. still some kind of purpose in this world. And Alicia's yeah. still kind of in that there is no purpose. We're just, we're just trying to survive up until we can't anymore. That's kind of okay. where we're at. One, one of your guys said that, um, you know, in that basement scene, Charlie finally realized that she doesn't want to die. Um, but I also think that Alicia realized she doesn't really want to kill Charlie either. Well, no, I mean, she has the gun pointed at her. She could obviously do it. And, yeah, she could have did it. Yeah, she yeah. did it then. You know, and they did the whole, you know, seven Brad Pitt thing, the flash of the person in your mind and everything. I was just waiting for her to pull the trigger, and she didn't. So I thought, and I thought that was really good. What's in the basement? What's All in right. the basement? <laughs> All right. Uh, Charlie then tells Alicia, I can see Madison in you, even if you can't. She's there. And um, Alicia's feeling pretty bad about walking away from Morgan and Strand and Lucy and all that during the storm. Um, Charlie says she's good at finding things. And she'd be glad to help search. And then they route back to the mansion where Strand and Lucy have been staying. Alicia told Charlie to close her eyes and describe the beach in such detail that the girl even saw her parents alive and well. And again, this was the scene. I'm like, is she gonna go? Like you were yeah. saying, is she gonna go Carol on her right now? Put a bullet in I her really head. thought that. That's what it looked like. Like, and that's what I love about Alicia. We've seen a little bit of that with her, where she just goes, her eyes, she just loses all sense of life in them. And it's like you don't know what she's gonna do. Um, towards the what was it? Last season when she was. Um, when she was away from her mom, when she realized what her mom and her brother had planned to do, and she was horrified by it, there was a scene like that where she just kind of lost it. Like she just, you just didn't know what was in her. Um, and I, she does that now a little bit more because of everything that's happened to her. And I dig that about it. She's dangerous. I like, I kind of like that about her character. Carol has it too. Like Carol can do that too. You don't know yeah. what Carol's gonna do. There, right. there are times that, that that makes Carol so interesting to me is that you don't know what Carol's motivation is. Sometimes you do, and then other times it's like she is a blank slate. You just don't know what she's planning on doing, and she does it on purpose. Carol, Carol's more dangerous because she does that that crap on purpose when she knows mm-hmm. she's going right. to use it to to do yeah. something dangerous. Well, the other thing too was up until that point. We had not had a reason for why the episode was titled Close Your Eyes. Right. So the fact that it was mm-hmm. that and that they named the title of the episode after it, I was like, she is about to blow her away. Um, you know, the whole thing with the look on her face and her eyes going dead, like you were saying, Daryl, and all mm-hmm. of that. I mean, I was just waiting and waiting. And then when it didn't happen, part of me was relieved and part of me was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, they can't tell me that was by accident that it was like that like you still were unsure of her what she was going to do like the way that she the director had to tell her i want you to to emote you know in a certain way and if the director didn't then that just proves to show how much more of a badass actress she is yeah yeah uh listen charlie go back to the mansion where they uh they left strand and lucy but it's a shambles John and June's bus is overturned, and no one can be found. Uh, Alicia says they're gone, 
He says, Charlie, things don't get better. They're only going to get worse. Although we're not around to see how bad they can get. And thus ends the episode. So, yeah. a couple things. <clears throat> One, where in Texas do they have a basement? Because... I was going to say that too. I've been here Nowhere. 30 Nowhere. three no. years, and I've not seen one. I lived Russ. there as a kid, and I knew damn well there were no basements in Texas. Good it's like Florida. Question. There are no basements there either. No, That's the two, first thing it, I asked. When I went two houses that I've lived in in Texas had basements. In Dallas? Two. Uh, one was just south of Fort Worth, and the other one was out in Odessa. Yeah. Was it newly yeah. built? So something newly built. Oh no, no, these the, the house in just south of Fort Worth was built probably in the 30s or 40s. Uh, so yes, up in in the Dallas, it's a little more common in that area. But given the fact that they're around, given the fact that they're around the Austin area and south, and given right. where they film and everything, there's no basements out that way. I can attest to I'm, that. And same with East Texas because of the way the water situation, the flooding, and the hurricanes are. There are no basements there either. That's where I lived when I was a kid, like three different places. Yeah, I just, I, Nobody I, had a basement. I just thought that was funny. I mean, uh, yeah, it totally well, I was. I'm right there with you, dude. I was thinking the same thing while I was watching it. And then, um, the, oh, I'm sorry, the other thing I was going to say is pork and beans. What is it about the. I have a theory. So I think it's just because nobody will eat that shit in the real, in real uh-huh. life that. That's all that's left nope. in the apocalypse is all the cans of pork and beans because that stuff is terrible. I love pork and beans. Oh, God. can't do it now. Not so no. much the Campbell's version, which is kind of what they look like—the ones they're using as props. But man, you give me some Bush's baked beans. Mm, roll that beautiful bean footage. Uh, no, I'll tell you. Let me tell you a little story. I was the kitchen manager at Pittsburgh State Company for I don't know about six, seven years. And my buddy Dave and I, one of our things we had to do would come up with uh, like 30, 25 or 30 lunch dishes every week. And once he got up to KM with me, he wanted weenies and beans every week yeah. as one of the <laughs> lunch things. I swear I swear on this uh, this glass of Diet Coke I'm drinking right here that we sold maybe one like every three months. <laughs> We're so I'm not surprised. I mean, Nobody likes it. You're the only me. one, dude. You're the only one. <laughs> How's, I, I like that, but I'm not going to go to a restaurant for it. Yeah, yeah. I hate it. Like, that was such a thing that I had to eat it when you were a kid because that's easy, yeah. right? That's yeah. when you're a kid. To the point where you never want it again. It's like, it's right up there with Dinty Moore and Bisquick for me. I just can't do it. And Chef Wardee. And Manwich. Manwich was another one. I, I could never eat Manwich ever. If I, I saw a commercial for Manwich in the, in a, uh, online and I almost, uh, uh, choked a little bit just thinking about eating a manwich again like That's i could never eat that again so ever much sugar. again in my life me either horrible anyway, horrible yeah i'm surprised they aren't eating like you know candy yams and hominy you know, yeah yeah stuff nobody would eat uh, until after the apocalypse the other thing that kind of got me a little bit is some of the, the inconsistency with alicia's character i I, I mean, I've talked about it before, so I don't I don't want to beat on it too much. But the whole the whole Charlie thing and why she shot Nick and how that all like I still I still don't get it. I st- it still bothers me. It's going to bother me until uh, they either kill her off on the show or uh, <laughs> or or I just enough. You know, we're on season eight, and I'm just I've just learned to live and forget it. But um, but then the on the Alicia side, it's just like. 
some of the you know she shot John over you know when they when they when they kind of ambushed him and and all that stuff went down and she was so ready to just like wipe everybody out and that was after Madison died and now she's all peace love and I'm gonna do the right thing like I I don't know I I just some of the inconsistency with her care and then at first you know she's she's ready to kill Charlie but she's not and. I think she's kind of just fighting with it on her own, you know what I mean? She's still trying to deal with it. I mean, it's all happened in the last few days. You know? Yeah. It's like she's tougher. Yeah. I see what you're saying, you know, but I'm just I'm taking it more as like the actress is acting as if, you know, the, is taking the tact that, you know, Alicia herself still hasn't figured out, you know, where she's trying to be on the spectrum here, where whether she wants to have humanity and hope or whether she just wants to you know, kill kill everyone and survive. I mean, it's kind of that's the way I thought she was playing it anyway. But, but she's I get what you're saying. That, she's always had that issue, right, of trying to live up to something or trying to be something she's not, right? Like yeah. I could be dangerous. Like she did that with her mom. Like you know, like with Nick was always the one that got attention because he's always in trouble, right? And there was a point where she tried to be like, I could be dangerous too, and it wasn't really her. Like that didn't fit her either. Right. to be that way and it didn't and then she tried to be a leader and it didn't it didn't really fit her when she tried to do that either in the group and it you know like and then she's trying to be the killer killer like I'm the you know I'm the heartless killer with my little sword thing that I made and I'm dangerous and stuff and even that like real killers can see through that right the first time that that's why Morgan looked at her and was like you are not a killer you are, you are not about that life <laughs> you know, I am about that life. I have lived that life. You have not. You don't know what that is to to be that to be that person. You're trying to to you're trying to become that person, but you're not there yet. Yeah. Right. Um so she's still unsure. She's still she's still going through her her stuff. Cool. Well, before we get to our uh, our our Toby ratings and our uh, listeners Toby ratings, how about a word from our sponsor? Since I'm hosting it, I pass the duties off to someone else this week. Ha ha! <laughs> Clever. I have tricked you once again. Uh, WrestleMania, take oh, it away. Oh man, there you go. <laughs> uh, our sponsor for this week's podcast is DCBService.com, a discount comic book service where you can order your comics on a monthly basis for extremely cheap prices, anywhere from 25 to 50, 60% off of the retail price. Um, delivered to your house in impeccable quality, uh, packed very, very much with care. Um, so head over to dcbservice.com. I personally like the Excel spreadsheet. Uh, you can download that Excel spreadsheet. You just mark off how many of each one you want. It has a nice total at the bottom. So, you know, when you kind of hit your budget or, um, uh, or, 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 you know, how you can go. And it, it even totals up what you're, you know, what your total is before the discount and then after the discount. So you can see exactly how much money you're saving. Um, and it makes it very easy to just upload that order, uh, with your account, or you can just add stuff to your, to your cart and, uh, check out. Um, but we're approaching the end of the month. So as you listen to this podcast, uh, you still have another couple weeks, uh, to get your orders in. They don't mind late orders. So if you hit, you know, first, second, third of the month, uh, and the September orders have come out, you could still probably squeak in your August order. Um, but, uh, but, you know, do definitely get that in tons of walking dead related, uh, items on there. And if, if you're into 
diving into the Walking Dead comics and you don't see anything on DCBService.com, head over to InStockTrades.com and you'll be able to pick up all of the trades, the hardcovers, the omnibus, the compendium, however you want to consume your Walking Dead material, they have it available there. Um, and the discounts are, are pretty, pretty close to 50%. I think they're 40, 45% off. Um, typically cheaper than Amazon. Uh, and again, anything over $50 gets you free shipping. Uh, so I highly recommend using in stock trades over Amazon personally, uh, just cause uh, as I mentioned before, the care in the shipping, uh, and your stuff not getting all jacked up. So, uh, and let's not forget, it's not just graphic novels they have there. They have clothing. Oh, yeah. They have, uh, they have gaming supplies for the D and D lover in your life. Like me, uh, they have, uh, um, uh, you know, collectibles, action figures, uh, collectible card games, um, any, you know, anything of a geeky Spaces. variety. Spaceships. They have toy spaceships. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some Star Trek, some... uh, vehicles and stuff. Um, I mean, uh, starships. They have all of them. Yeah. They have, uh, they have a lot, you know, they have action figures as, as Daryl said as well. All kinds of stuff. Some of the specials I'm cherry picking, uh, right now while Russ was talking. Uh, V for Vendetta, 30th anniversary edition hardcover. Uh, wow. 50%, 50% off, only $24.99. They also have the Sandman Omnibus Volume 3. Uh, normally $150, only $75 now. That's, again, half off. Uh, I know the kids are both into the Blackpool and the, uh, or the Blackpool, the Deadpool and the Black Panther. Why not watch them face <laughs> off against each other in Deadpool versus Black Panther, which is out now at also 50% off. Um, they have a lot of really great stuff. Um, they have, oh, this is a great one that my, fr- uh, my friend would probably really, uh, would really appreciate it. Ed Pisker. He's really into the old horror comics. Uh, pre-code classics, Web of Mystery. This is before the comics code, so, uh, creep show style, uh, horror comics, uh, we're looking at 50% off there for a hardcover of volume four of Web of Mystery. So, like Russ said, you know, you can't beat the prices, you can't beat the service, you're dealing with real people and not faceless warehouses off in the middle of nowhere. Uh, definitely by all means, check out, uh, DCBService.com. See, I couldn't help but help you anyway. Okay, but Toby ratings. I'm sorry, I almost said Buster ratings. Toby ratings, anyone, anyone. I'll give it four. Um, I, I think, oh, again, man. another solid episode. I think just some of those inconsistencies that, uh, the basement thing bugged me. Uh, but I don't, I honestly, I didn't knock it that much for the basement thing. I, I get it. It was a storytelling device and, uh, it, this is a world full of zombies. If I could believe in zombies, I could believe there's a basement in Texas, uh, in central Texas somewhere. Um, but yeah, I think some of the, some of the, I, I'm hoping from here on out that the characterizations of these, of, of these two characters in particular are, are consistent from this point forward, and I think I could learn to let go of my uh, my biases. Uh, but yeah, it's just a good, solid episode. Again, I think on the technical side, on the directing side, on the writing side, um, overall, these are just really, I mean, very strong, very strong season. Uh, these first two episodes have started on the right foot. So I'm 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 really digging uh, this show. Uh, I give this one a four point five. I really like the performances here. I really liked the way it was shot. It was, uh, I mean, it's, it's not easy to keep someone, to keep things looking fresh director wise and cinematography wise using the same house over and over and over in the same rooms. Yeah. And I thought they did a really good job on this. Uh, the acting, the acting was, uh, was solid on, on both, uh, actresses part here. I think for, you know, for an episode that's going to focus on a couple of the characters in, in a really, you know, uh, deep and granular way that these are the two characters that, that needed it most. 
um, especially in relation to one another and what they've done with you know to and for you know one another. Um, I just I really like this a lot, so I have to give it a four point five. This thing was really strong. Uh, but who cares what we think? Because we have an awesome, awesome Facebook group. Oh, I didn't give mine. Oh, I'm sorry, Daryl. I thought you went first, my friend. I cut I guess, off. No. I, oh, you cut he, me off. It's because you gave it last week ahead of time because you're Negro Damas. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> um, no, I give it a four out of five. I, I agree with Russ. I, I really enjoyed it. I It wasn't a perfect episode, so I can't give it a five out of five where it was that great, great, but it was really, really good. Uh, they These characters needed this uh, uh, to develop them and, and to show where they are right now. Um, and it was so well shot. Uh, you know, this haunted house. It didn't even go the direction, you know, like I thought they would do a little bit more with the hunt. They didn't even have to go over, overboard with it. They, they did it just enough to, to keep that, uh, you know, to keep the uh, the walkers dangerous, but not to get in the way of uh, what they were dealing with. Um, so I, it, it definitely was an enjoyable episode. I, I, I have to give it that uh, four out of five. Sweet. Uh Richard had to step out for a minute, so when he comes back, we'll get his rating. But until yeah, uh, then... This is, uh, bake, don't do baked beans and podcasts. <laughs> they, don't, they don't mix. Beans and podcasts they don't mix. Do not mix. No. They don't. They really luckily, don't. luckily, we're doing this over Skype, so we're not in the same room with them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is why the beans are left. You'd be fearing more than the Walking Dead right <laughs> now. But anyway... <laughs> Here's what we think. We have a great uh, Facebook group, and we always ask you every week to grace us with your Toby ratings uh, that we read live on the show every week, because we like to hear what you think about the episodes, even more than what we think. Except for Russ. He's a good judge of everything. <laughs> uh, Johnny, St- Johnny Stower uh, chimes in. Two out of drop the pen writing this episode out of five. This episode sucked. Sorry, not sorry. Worst one of the season total so far. Does anyone care about Charlie? I feel like the rest of the episodes will be bouncing around the other characters during the storm, which will get old. Huh. Well, that's kind of a counterpoint. Also, Brent yeah. Jones didn't seem to like it either. A 1.25 momentum killers out of 5. Predictable and stupid, and I agree 100% that each duo that split off will get their own storm episode. In the finale, they will take off toward Alexandria. Hmm. I don't know if they're going to take off this soon, but I guess it's possible. Uh, Tammy Heisley wrote in, I may be alone in this, but I thought this episode was a solid five. The performances were amazing, strong writing, uh, and directing. Brad Holt and Richard Charrington, uh, Chopper Cherry Charrington, both agreed. And, uh, we do too, Tammy. We thought it was pretty, pretty, uh, Yeah, you are not alone. You're not alone, my friend. You, uh, we, we thought so too. Uh, Susan Monk gave us 3.75 tree walkers out of five. Also agreed those were excellent performances, but I don't want to go through two or three more storm survival episodes. Keep moving and show us shorter flashbacks when they all meet up again. Uh, Dre Urban, 3.5. I really like this episode. However, I'm deducting points because I think Dillahunt should be in every episode. Uh, I kid. The episode had a very creepy vibe. I enjoyed the intensity and felt that both actresses delivered excellent performances. I do believe that the other Storm Surviving episodes will be better because new and interesting characters will be introduced. Uh, Richard Chopper Cherry Charrington, the marathon man himself. Uh, five falling zombie angel out of five. I love this episode and thought it was really well acted, but I mustn't be uh, alone in thinking that why didn't Alicia try and tackle the walkers banging on the window? I, for one, wouldn't be able to sleep with all that banging. I may differ to other opinions, but I think other character storm stories would be a good way to go. Really enjoying this season of fear. 
Uh, Charlie Messing, who wants his money back from the Meg for our, uh, our spoiler cast. Did you read that on Twitter? Yes, I did. Said, said, said we ruined the movie The Meg for him. I don't know how that's possible. I don't know. I think we can do better. <laughs> the Meg. Uh, it's awesome. I uh, just finished watching Fear. That was a solid episode. The girl who plays Charlie is a really good actress. Alicia was brilliant in this episode. Easily her best episode. It's a four from me. And finally, David Butte the third. Two, Daryl called it the last episode out of five. Daryl Taylor said Charlie would need to have a conversation with Alicia to resolve her issues. And then we got a whole episode of these two killers. Although the story was great, it was very lengthy and drawing out to the final conclusion. Seeing Alicia cry out of problems was the highlight of the storytelling as it seemed the most real. The rest of the episode could have used some of the other side stories with the other characters to keep the pace going. And Rich, now that you've returned, do you want to give us your Toby ratings? Uh, yeah, this one was a five. Straight up five. I really, really liked this episode. Um, which... When it started, like I said at the beginning, you know, it, there was a lot predictable about it, but it was executed so well. And I'm just absolutely adoring of the uh, the cinematography in this episode. I mean, from the washed out colors like you were talking about, Jim, to just just the way things were framed and, and the use of those long shots like you were talking about, Russ. I mean, it it. This was truly a work of artists that made this episode, and I'm very appreciative of it. And then on top of that, these two ladies put in such a good performance and, and, and really used the dialogue written for them well and emoted well. I mean, it, I thought it was really solid all the way around. Just a couple of small little things that really don't mean anything that I could say about, but other than that, I thought this was perfect. And, you know, the thing is, is that's kind of how they would get sometimes in the parent show when they would just pair off a couple of people and dedicate an episode to it. It was it's hit or miss with the parent show. But when they hit, it's like this. And and I think that this is far better than anything that either show has done. in a long Well, time. I mean, a, so, a couple I mean, of our I was going to say a couple of our absolute favorite shows in the parent show. Uh, what was it? Uh, 16 miles out. Yeah. And Nebraska were pretty much like paired off. Uh, you know, yeah. you had. Uh, um, you know, Shane and Rick in the one, and then uh, um, Daryl and Rick and uh, and uh, Herschel in the other. So, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, next week our show, uh, the episode will be called "The Code." It'll be it's directed by Tara Nicole Weir and uh, written by Andrew Chambliss and Alex Delisle, who have also written quite a few episodes uh, this season in their writers' room. And the week after that, we have uh, Coleman Domingo is directing. Oh, nice. Um, Strand mm-hmm. Strand himself. Nice. So that'll cool. be cool. And then later in the season, Lou Diamond Phillips will be directing it. What? Yeah, I know. The the, uh, the man himself. But He's on t- some pretty impressive television directing in the last five to ten years. I've seen what yeah is- some of the criminal minds that he worked on and some other things really good. One one of the cool. things we haven't talked about is some new cast members coming up. Oh yeah. So Aaron uh Aaron Stanford, who you may know from playing Pyro in the X-Men movies. He was on uh, uh-huh. the show Nikita. He was on 12 Monkeys. A college named after him. Do what? Doesn't he have a college named yeah. after him? Um, he was most recently on the sci-fi show 12 Monkeys, which I really dug. Um, so he's coming on to uh, to Fear the Walking Dead. Um, and Daryl Chill Mitchell, who uh, uh, I an odd fact that I did not know is... I've seen him recently in, in things in the last several years, and he's always been in a wheelchair. 
I didn't realize he was yeah. in a motorcycle accident like 17 uh-huh. years ago. Um, and was yeah. paralyzed. So he, he yeah. legitimately, um, is, is a, a paraplegic. So, um, yeah, he came back to TV not that a couple of quite a few years ago. I was in the same boat. Like I knew him from prior to the accident on TV yeah. and then he came back and he was playing somebody in a chair and I thought it was just a part. Yeah. And then they went through the whole thing of he's really, you know, like that he really was paralyzed in that accident. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, he's going to, he's, he's on NCIS. So it makes me think, is he leaving the show? Uh, I don't know. I, he is. Yeah, he. Are uh, you talking about the one that's in New Orleans? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I I believe that he's either leaving this season or he the end of last season may have been his finish. I know he was leaving, and then what's her name that played Percy left last season? Um, yeah, I watched way too much that. NCIS, so yeah, I watched that show. So I it's, it's one of those shows I can talk with my parents about. You know, try to talk to them about The Walking Dead, and they're like, huh. I, I'm just too old. Even my mother don't watch that show. <laughs> so yeah, so that'll be interesting so to have some new, some fresh blood, as it were. And it's scary because imagine like people with uh, different handicaps being on the show. Like that's a yeah. whole nother uh, level to dealing with the scary yeah, world. Yeah. Sweet. We haven't really dealt with handicapped people other than people that have been handicapped from the apocalypse. Right, <laughs> right. they've not dealt with disability yeah. at all. Right. At all in the show. Sweet. Well, what, what what was his name um, that went without a leg there for a little while in the Herschel. Uh, well, yeah, him, but I mean, uh, Bob, you know, they ate his leg and then, you know. Yeah, but they were on there for like a minute <laughs> after that. Like, they weren't on there that long. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, until next week, we get together to talk about what the Walking Dead. Where can everybody find you, dudes? I'm in. Uh, you... Okay. No. Um. Well, this podcast, the DC All Stars Comics podcast, um, and then follow me on the socials at Chubtoad Zero One. Um, the voice one two three on Twitter, and you can also catch me on uh, Facebooks and uh, the Instagrammies and all that. Um, and yeah, that's what the kids say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the Taylor Network of Podcasts, you can find the uh, the feed on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and it has all the cool uh, podcasts that are on it, like one with me and Jim, which is nothing's on, and. And another with me and Russ, which is God with my geeks, um, and a, a whole host of other uh, entertaining podcasts on there as well. And you can find me mostly at the same place you find this podcast, hhwlod.com, uh, as well as, like Daryl said, on Gotham by Geeks. Sweet. And you can catch me not only on hhwlod.com, uh, as, as Russ said, with this podcast. You can also get uh, uh, Nothing's On, as Daryl said, with uh, his podcast network, TerrellyNetworkPodcast.com. And if you go to OldMagicGaming.com, you can check out my D&D projects, uh, um, 
uh, the Great Old Ones and Crown of Queens. We play live action RPG and then we, uh, add, uh, background noises and, uh, sound, soundtrack music and sound effects and all kinds of stuff to make it more like, uh, like a radio play, kind of like Theater of the Mind. And it's a lot of fun. And I just dropped a new blog over there on my Old Man Gamer blog, uh, all about No Man's Sky next. The big update to, uh, No Man's Sky for PlayStation and for PC. And now for Xbox too, uh, Ross, so if you want to check that out. Nice. Uh, so until, so until next week, when there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth. Crickets? Stay out of the basement? I don't know. <laughs> Daryl's always right. Daryl's always right. Never doubt the Daryl. Good night, everybody. Thanks a lot.